Many moons ago, I embarked on a rap career with a buddy of mine in college, and I actually rapped over the beat you're currently hearing behind me. Uh, you can find that on Spotify, but I'm going to let you find that out on your own. And throughout this career, we crossed paths with a man by the name of Nick Romanelli, who became our in-house photographer and videographer. You know, he'd come to live shows with us and film us, take pictures, he'd make music videos with us and whatnot. And he's awesome. And he also happens to be today's guest. Uh, he sat down with Dylan and I to talk about his remarkable career and just the journey he's went on from you know dropping out of school to follow his passion of film and photography while out in Japan and coming to LA where now he works at a company called Film Solutions and he's also a professional photographer where he has a number of clients that he works with uh, every week. He's always busy, but you know, if you need some bomb-ass photos taken of you, he's your guy. Welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. What were you, what were you just talking about before we started recording? It's always the weirdest moment. We were talking about the critically acclaimed, infamous web series, The Adventures of Pasty White Boy, that I star in one episode, and Nick co-wrote and directed the entire thing with my former rap partner, Nick Colantonio, a.k.a. Pasty White Boy. Yeah, so uh, we we made this this TV show, um, like super low budget, just all of us kind of coming together and making something. Um, and it was Nick's idea. Um, to kind of have each uh, song on the album be its own episode. Um, and it was completely wacky and just <laughs> stupid, but also like one of the best summers I ever had in my life. Cause it was just so much fun hanging out with everybody, um, you know, being with all, like all you guys and all my friends. Um, but yeah, looking back on it, so stupid and embarrassing, but also kind of cool. How long were the episodes? So like each episode ranges from like 13 to like, 20 minutes uh, around, around that range and there's only three episodes oh wow yeah wow my favorite th my two favorite things about that and was one when i showed up to your house to film like my verse for pre-roll and be zeus um you guys were getting in trouble with the law for trespassing in the reservoir but no one was answering my calls because you're in the middle of that. So I'm just like awkwardly in your kitchen with like your brother, just kind of sitting there and be like, uh, so when, when are they going to come? I was like, I don't know. They're supposed to come back like any minute now. And like, no one was letting me know what's going on. And then like a good half hour to an hour <laughs> later, you all show up and just tell me what happened. And then the other thing was that you guys, uh, went to Joanne fabrics and got a neon green, like just giant piece of fabric to do the green screen. And it worked out like perfectly DIY at its finest. Yeah. I remember that we went to, uh, <laughs> we went to a uh, Joanne fabric and, uh, we were just like, give us all of the green fabric that you guys have. And we, we pretty much like cleared the store of like this big green fabric that we use for the green screen. Uh, but it did work well, got the job done. So that was kind of funny. What and was cool. the, what were the episodes about? It was about his, uh, his album. Yeah. So like each episode, uh, they kind of go all over the place. Um, <laughs> like we end up in like, <laughs> 
like Hebron, Connecticut, which is like like farm country yeah, Connecticut. They have farms. Um, and then it jumps to like ancient Greece and then like a post-apocalyptic factory. Um, so it's kind of all over the place. <laughs> so it's a Bill and Ted's. It's a Bill and it's a Bill and Ted's type of thing. Yeah, it's it's like a Bill and Ted, but just imagine that with like no budget and then just like a bunch of friends who kind of don't know what they're doing making the film. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Who edited it? So I did all the editing um, for, for, for each episode and like all the trailers. You did everything? Can we still find these somewhere? Um, so you could watch it, I think, on Prime. It released on Prime. Um, I'm not sure if it's still there. I think they still are on Is Prime. Is it? Oh, okay. okay. Really? Yeah, you could watch it on Prime. Um, but uh, if, if it doesn't show up, I can send it to you guys. I have all the episodes. Um, I'll put them in like a private link or something on YouTube and send it your way. We're going to cut cut a piece out of it. And then for our post for this podcast, we'll just use Absolutely. a piece of this Adventures of Pasty White Boy. It's just going to be it's just going to be a gif of Lil J eating the grapes shirtless. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Lil J. That was so funny. Shouts out to Lil J for uh, all the dedication with those grapes. We got to use we got to use a portion of you in there because we do this like running gag where we do like this is really just a movie review podcast. But then we do interviews and stuff, too. And uh, every time we do movie reviews, Brian will like Photoshop us into a movie poster. But they're getting more intricate where you can't actually see us too well. And it just looks like the actual movie poster. Uh, so we should just do a portion of this with you in it and everyone's going to think that it's just you Photoshop, but you're actually in it. Oh, that's cool. I like, I like that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty most positive Brian's on the, the cover of the, uh, the poster. He's like, I am on the main one of poster, like the yeah. big parts of the poster. That's pretty funny. Where can I find this main poster? Hold on, I'm going to type it into Google adventures. It's got to be on like Facebook adventures. or something. When, uh, when we're all done with this, uh, I'll have to get your guys addresses. I have like, like a ton of like 11 by 17 of these posters that I just hung on to because nobody wanted them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have a ton. I'll send them your guys' way. Dude, what the fuck flying fuck. If I Google it, it comes up with like a legitimate, like, movie thing that says the adventures of pasty white boy 2016 one season seven on imdb 59 on just watch and it gives you a description this is like a legit thing if they got it well they got a distribution deal out of it somehow yeah but it, we also have a distribution deal and if you google our movie none of that shit comes up well, that's so what fair. the, they have, what t- the they fuck? have tenure though yeah i don't know how like it has that poster or like all that stuff i think you just got to give it time and then like it being like on the web and then on Amazon Prime, Google kind of like makes it legit and creates like a little page for it or like, you know, all the search results. Oh, we have it. No. Yeah, I just did it. No way. There's a link to watch it on Prime. It's got a little description. Do- they got the IMDb page. Sarah's. Uh- no, I mean, I Google, Google, uh, Google Adventures of Pacey White Boy. You'll see what I mean. Oh, never mind. We do yeah, have it's it. the same thing. <laughs> yeah, we just don't have a picture. Oh, yours is more legit still. You have a photo. I remember I just like spam emailed every single like website involving film or like streaming things, like even like like freemovies.com, like stupid hey, like, you gotta plug it. Like, websites you like that. Um so I just spam like the internet and that's why I, I think it pretty prominent on there or shows up right away when you search it man this is like the like the weirdest thing we can plug of yours because brian's been telling me about all the other stuff that you also have done 
Brian's on the main poster. Well, this is my first IMDb credit, Dylan. My <laughs> acting role is Zeus and background character four. <laughs> That's crazy. It took the whole summer to make? Yeah, it took us all summer to do this. I mean, we're, we're all like from different towns in Connecticut. So like for all of us to be there, like if we needed one person for a shoot and they were there one day, there was no guarantee that they could make it like the next day. So we might have to wait like a week or so until they could come back. But we're, we're like, we all just kind of, spent the entire summer doing this um it was pretty cool how everybody came together but like we also had to uh like juggle filming that in between like other projects we're doing like like whenever nick and brian would perform like you know we spend that weekend shooting that instead of you know the, the, the show um and then sometimes like you know we're, we're younger uh we just want to like hang out with each other and drink and party and do stupid shit so there were times where like you're filming and you're like, all right, let's wrap it up and just, just party. That did turn into the fat ass music video. Us just partying. Brian, there's a whole gold mine of like media from before our partnership that I've just not been privy to. And I'm, I'm enjoying this thoroughly. I need to see all this. There's a, what was this music video? Fat ass, our critically acclaimed single. Yeah, it it is on YouTube. Uh, Is it? It is on YouTube. Yeah. Is it PH? Oh Yeah. Oh yeah, it's pH. Yeah, it's pH. I think it's uh, dollar ass. signs for the S's. Dollar signs. Oh yeah, my god, gangster that's rap, so you know? It's so funny. Hebron gangster rap. It's under the uh, Unholy Spirit Productions YouTube page. And all that comes up when I Google this is biggest butts in rap videos. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Was that so your first thing? Was that your first thing that you did with the uh, film man, or did you study film in school? So uh, there's this. This guy who is in um, our group, uh, Matt Kelly, and I've always known Matt. And Matt was my introduction to um, the whole friend group because uh, they all lived, you know, where, where he is in Hebron area. Um, and Matt was part of a band called Not As Planned. They were like a like a pop punk punk rock band. I thought they were freaking cool. And uh, and that's also how I met Nick Pasty White Boy because he was a mutual friend of all those guys. And that's how I met Brian from Nick because they were in their, their rap group together. Um, but I always wanted to join the band. I wanted to be a part of it so badly. Uh, we all went to like Warp Tour one year together. And like that was like my thing at the time, like metal, punk rock music. And I just wanted to tour with a band, like be on Warp Tour. All that stuff was so cool to me and awesome. It was, it was the dream at the time. Um, so I couldn't play any instruments or anything. And, uh, I was like, all right, like I want to be a part of the band somehow. Um, I love film and like videography and photography. So can I be the, the, you know, your videographer and photographer? Um, and, and Matt and the guys were just like, so down right away. So, um, I think like a week after we went to warp tour, I did my first photo shoot ever with those guys. And, it's still pretty cool looking back at that picture. I, I mean, it's nowhere near like what I do now. It's, it's light years behind. And so bad, <laughs> but it, it, does, it has that like vintage, like 2009 punk rock look, like pop punk, like a day to remember and stuff like that. Like bands like that. Um, so it's pretty cool looking back on that and just seeing like what we, we created at such a young age, just like passion, uh, you know, like no experience, just all passion. And then um, I went to Loyola University, Maryland, where I studied digital media and film. Um, 
I had a job on campus too. I was doing uh, this, you know, it was in like the the the, the school uh, like TV station, uh, like video program. Um, but it was a job, so I got paid for it, which was cool. Uh, I had to direct, produce, and edit and write um, like a film, like a TV show that would air on the uh, the local campus channel. Um, it was called Apocabricks. It was the apocalypse for Lego bricks. So it was stop motion oh, awesome. animation. Oh, that's sick. It was pretty fun. Uh, a bunch of my roommates were like the voice actors for it. So we had a lot of fun doing that. But I, um, I didn't really enjoy it there. Um, I didn't like it. I, I didn't quite connect with anybody around me uh, in that film, uh, you know, department or, or club program, whatever you want to call it. Uh, everybody had like a talk show about like sports or the news or like some political thing or somebody's trying to make like a feel good, like everybody included type video. Uh, I don't know, just like not trying to go viral, but like just copying like what was popular on YouTube or like Twitter or Facebook at the time. Um, and nothing, nothing was cool or like pushing the boundaries. And I felt like I was wasting my time. I also felt like I was wait, like I was better than what they were making there, and everybody else was better than what they were making too. But everybody's boxing themselves in for no reason. Like we're we're at film school, you know. This is our chance to experiment and make something awesome. Why don't we all come together and make a film or like a TV show or a big production, and then that just makes everything that much more legit oh, for yeah. all of us? Because if we're gonna you know, separate all these little projects and, you know, put money into, you know, this person's going to make a talk show and this person's going to make, you know, a slightly different variation of that talk show. If instead of making that, you just pour all the money and effort and time into one big production that everybody collaborates on, everybody takes a, a you know, specific role on. It just makes the, you know, the department or the, or the, the program at the school that much more legit. You can make a full feature film. You can submit it to film festivals. And then that gives all the students, you know, that kind of entry level experience that you, you wouldn't get elsewhere. You know, you wouldn't get in a school you'd have to get when you graduate. And that was kind of my goal. And I brought it up to the professor and other people. And like, it was always shot down. And then like, I would be a part of other stuff with students like helping them with their projects, like, you know, filming stuff or writing stuff, pouring all this effort into something that in my head, I knew like, this is never going to get made or it's just going to fall flat on space because there's no passion behind it. Everybody's just like making these like, like, I don't know, like shells of a project. And there's, there's no heart inside that shell. There's, there's no organs inside that body. It's just a freaking like plastic toy body. Right. It's not, it's not like there's no flesh and blood behind any of this. So around that time, I, um, I was pretty much like over school. I always hated school. Um, like in high school, I would never do homework. I would, uh, I would just watch movies instead. Like I'd go upstairs and I had like a little portable DVD player in my room. And, um, like it looked like I was doing homework cause the door was shut or it was just like, you know, like all oh, Nick's doing something upstairs. But I was always watching movies, never doing homework. Um, so I, at this point, I was like totally checked out with school. Um, I felt like I was wasting my time. And I remember I wanted to study abroad just to kind of get away from everything. So this is the summer after 
we shot Pasty White Boy. Um, I went, we did something in New York, like we, we did something for, for Matt, Matt's in another band, um, a highball trio. And Nick and I went and I shot their show and Nick kind of just came to help out and support. But we also filmed like a little thing in Central Park for like the DVD of uh, The Adventures of Pasty White Boy. And like two days after that, I went to Japan uh, to study abroad for the full year. And um, I think I was there for like two weeks and right away I was like, yeah, screw this. I'm completely done with school. Like if you missed a class there, they were like super strict. Like if you missed like two classes, they started taking like points off your, your grade. And I was like, that's dumb. Like I'm here to study abroad and explore this country and just, you know, have an adventure of a lifetime. Like, who knows if I'll ever get a chance to come back here. Um, and that was like the furthest program that they had away from like anywhere else. And nobody ever went. And I was the first person at Loyola to go for a full year. Um, so I was like, sign me up. I'm totally in. Nobody's going from this school. Nobody's done it for a year. Like, sounds like my cup of tea. So I went um, two weeks into being there, dropped out, um, just stopped going to class. I was taking like film classes over there. And like the film teachers just hated me. Um, I, and I was like making Danger Boys documentary. I'll talk about that later. Um, at that time, and I remember I was taking a, like a documentary film class on like how to make documentaries. And I told my teacher, like, I'm making a documentary right now, so I will not be in your class. Like, I'll come for the final or the midterm in the final, but other than that, I will not be here. And then I showed I showed him like the trailer, or, like a, like a little clip of what I was doing, like a bunch of photography, and he was so pissed at me. He hated it. Um, he gave me like a C in his class. I thought it was fucking stupid. But all those were signs for me to just kind of like dip and drop out of school. Um, so I did. I stopped going to class. Um, I got really involved with the Japanese punk rock scene, which was something I kind of wanted to do. After being with, with like all the guys in the summer and doing that stuff, I was just on like this high of like, I want to work with every single band I possibly could. I want to go on tour so bad. Um, so, like, I want to discover that over there. That was, like, you know, a gold mine. Like, nobody's doing what I want to do. And everybody's, da- everybody's down for me to do that here. Screw it. I'm going to do it. Like, why not? Um, so, I did that. I got involved with, like, the tattoo scene a tiny bit. Did a couple of videos for um, this, like, cool tattoo artist who's, like, a big dude over there. He's got, like, his own Vice documentary. Um, so that was pretty legendary too. But yeah, I just like totally checked out of school and just went all in on this. No way, dude. That's crazy. How long were you in Japan for? So I, I was in Japan for like a year. Wow. Did you learn and, Japanese? Uh, I do know Japanese. I do speak Japanese. I, I, I actually ended up marrying a Japanese girl. You're um, oh, wait, I didn't you're know married? you were married. Not over there, but I met her over there when, when I was there. Oh, congratulations. No way. Did you- <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I, I knew you're. I knew you're like with her. I didn't know you got married. Damn. Um, yeah, we got married two years ago. Kind of crazy. Nice. <laughs> um, can't believe it all worked out. But yeah, we're here. Congratulations, man! Wow, you still touring with some of these Japanese punk bands? No, I'm not. I'm not. I don't tour. I don't really do the band thing anymore. Um, that kind of came and went. There's more of that. I'll talk about later. But um, yeah, uh, these guys were like, like super punk and. Like Flat Sucks, the band I worked with the most and got closest with, like they're only on Facebook and like one of them is on Facebook. And other than that, I'm pretty sure like they don't have like running water or electricity in their apartments. Um, if they even have an apartment. <laughs> they couldn't do this podcast. They wouldn't be able to be guests. No. 
they would have to pigeon mail it. Um, but yeah, they're like super like punk. So communication kind of fell through. But every once in a while, I'll see like, oh, they're on Facebook. And I used to kind of like just check in with them and say what's up and see how they're doing. But that kind of kind of dwindled, dwindled out throughout the years. It's been like five years almost, I think, since I shot Danger Boys. So communication is definitely gone with everybody. But it's the type of thing where like if I was there or saw them or called them or texted them, like if that opportunity came up, we'd just pick up right where we left off and it'd be cool. Man, that is that is a wild, wild story. Uh, that's mm-hmm. really, really cool. And what did Actually, you what did you what did you start doing when you're out in LA? Same thing. You started doing touring with bands or So after Japan, I came out to LA. Um, like I, I was dating my wife at the time and it was time for me to come back. Like my, my visa was up i couldn't stay any longer so we kind of talked like you know like we both loved each other you know what are we going to do is it it worth staying together and then with the type of career i'm going for and what i do it's it's hard to to make a living um or or kind of kind of go for it and make it like a professional thing but i had nothing to lose so i was like screw it i'm gonna come out to la and then before i came out here i spent like five months like searching for jobs and applying everywhere, even stuff in Japan. I got like nothing, but, uh, I got one phone call, um, like, or one phone interview, kind of an interview, more just like a, like an introduction, um, at this company called cinema Libre studios. And they do documentary distribution. And, uh, the guy was like, yeah, like, well, you're not here. So come out to LA and like, you know, maybe we'll give you an interview. Like, just call me when you're out here. And that was all I needed to hear. So, um, flew out from Japan to LA, uh, call, I was living like a hotel, which is crazy. Cause it's in this plaza where I, um, I like go grocery shopping now. <laughs> um, so it's kind of wild that like, I used to live in that hotel for a month with no plan or idea of what would happen out here. And that's just like the normal spot where I go to buy groceries now. But, um, uh, came out here, called that guy, you ghosted me for like two weeks kind of felt like okay i maybe this was too far out i should probably just go back home and then like now finish up like school at loyola um but uh he finally picked up one day i got an interview with him and he he brought me on board as an intern Uh, i worked on like a couple oliver stone documentaries which is cool um learned a bunch of stuff with like distribution and amazon which later on helped out for danger boys um but it was, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know, it, it was a legit company and a big company and do like big stuff, but it was also kind of like bullshit. Like they, they, uh, they're the company that made and distributed, um, the Vaxxed documentary. It's called Vaxxed, but it's like the anti-vaccination documentary, which is total horseshit. <laughs> um, you know, all lies that they just try to make money off of, but it, it was cool. Um, definitely a great learning experience. And then after that, I went to Sumerian Records, um, which is like the biggest independent metal record label. And I was brought on board as an intern there. Um, they were making this movie at the time called American Satan. Uh, and I was doing, um, what was it? It was digital media marketing or social media marketing for, for them. Um, but I was really just like answering like fan emails and like, running the Facebook account with other people and stuff like that. Or just doing like any stupid intern shit they needed done for the film. Um, so that was fun. It was cool. I got to like go to my first like red carpet premiere event, which was dope. Um, 
And uh, after that ended, everybody I interned with left. Like that was the end of the internship. But I love being at Sumerian. It's kind of a dream come true because I always want me to work with these these metal bands, these punk bands. Um, and then here I am, like at the the mecca label of metal, um, working with these on this film, which could eventually lead to bands. Um, so I kind of just stayed. I never left. I would keep showing up, and they were eventually they were like, okay, like you can't be here, like like we're giving you school credit and I lied to them too. And I told them I was still in school at the time. Um, cause everything was like unpaid and it was all just like for school credit. Um, but they were like, like, what, what can you do? Like, if you're not going to leave, like you have to do something here. So what, what else can you do? And, um, I kind of got to know the video guy a little bit and I was there long enough to where they were, uh, starting to do like, like, uh, the DVD Blu-ray release for the film. Um, and I just at that time did like a bunch of subtitles on danger boys and they were having issues with making subtitles for the film. I like closed captioning and I was like, Oh, like I know how to do that. And they were like, well, that's cool. Like we won't go that direction, but like, what else do you know how to do? (laughs) And it kind of opened up a whole conversation. And, um, I was like, you know, I do videography and photography, nothing crazy, but I'd love to like do anything you guys have. The video guy was pretty cool. He was, he gave me his camera and was like the, the faceless, which is this like, like super intrinsic, fast, like really hard to play, like metal music, um, like super metal. Um, and there was like awesome band that my cousin, my older cousin like loved. And then we would listen to music growing up. Um, they just had an album release that week and their album release party was like the day the next day and the video guy just gave me his camera and was like, here's your test. Like show up at this location, get there early, do whatever they want you to do and shoot the show. And if it's good, like we'll keep you on. I'll give you more stuff to to film. Um, so I went there, crushed it. Um, it was kind of crazy. They, they, they had like a new lineup and they hadn't done like an an updated, like photo shoot of the band in, in years. And they were like, Oh, like, can you do that? And I was like, yeah, for sure. But I was so nervous. I remember I had the camera setting, um, on like video while I'm doing the photo shoot and I'm just like clicking away. So like the, the photos weren't, weren't that good quality. Cause I'm like in the video mode. Um, but I didn't even realized it at the time I was so nervous, but it all came out cool. They liked it. I'm pretty sure it's still, it's a completely different lineup now. Like a week after I took that picture, the whole band, like, like, uh, broke up. They're still together, but it's all new members. Um, oh, wow. But uh, yeah, they're like still using that picture on their website, like for like all their stuff, which is pretty crazy. That was like the first picture that got me published um, because like all the, the metal magazines and news outlets like use that picture when they broke up as a band, which is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I went, I went to Sumerian, you know, did all that, crushed it. Um, thought I was going to get brought on board full time talks of it with, with, you know, the, the higher ups there, I was you know, on good terms with the CEO of the company. Um, but I, it, I, would, I think they were kind of just using me for what they could get out of me. Like I, I, I was on like every list for any show, whether it was a Sumerian band or not, that was coming to LA. So I could go to like yeah. any show and shoot something, which is so dope. And um, I did that. I did that for a while. I would just go to like concerts every other day, and shoot something. Um, 
And, you know, of course they're getting like free content out of it. Like they don't have to pay for me. They have that, this list that they could add anybody to that costs nothing. Um, so I think they were kind of just going to use me until I moved on um, or something opened up for me, but there were no bigger plans. Um, so around that time, I started looking for something else. I found this, uh, this company called Excellent Studios. They're, they're a recording studio on Hollywood Boulevard. And they were friends with this band, uh, Era, who's signed to Sumerian. And I just shot one of their shows. So they were like, oh, cool. Like, for sure, let's interview this guy. So I got an interview there. Um, another unpaid internship, which turned into me kind of doing like all the video stuff at the studio and, and photography. So I was doing like, um, started out doing like their live streams and helping them with that, making YouTube thumbnails. And then it turned into me just like making my own schedule and showing up whenever like a cool artist would come in and record something and just like film it or like do photography. Um, those guys were super cool and they just let me like completely do whatever I wanted to do and, and explore with, with videography and photography and video editing. Super cool dudes. But again, it was like an unpaid internship that was great experience, but not quite what I needed or wanted. Um, so I'm like constantly applying on indeed.com for like jobs. And those guys were cool. They would always like look for jobs for me and like try to hook me up. Or like if I recommended somebody at the studio who recorded, like they, they wouldn't even take like the, the, the cut. Like they would just give me all the money, which was pretty cool. Um, cause they knew like how much like I really wanted like a full time job and, and to get paid for shit. Um, so shouts out to, to Danny and Parker for like, you know, being awesome mentors. Um, but, um, yeah, I kept looking online for, for jobs. I would apply every single day to a new job. Um, and then I, this like temp agency called me. I was, I was doing like a, like a mini weekend tour with this horrible rapper. <laughs> I can't remember his name. Um, in San Francisco, my wife came with me. We were at like an Airbnb just chilling and I got a random phone call and I, I picked it up. I usually never pick up like unknown numbers, but I picked this one up. Um, and it was a temp agency and they're like, Oh, like, you know, we, we, we have your resume on file for what you applied for. We can't tell you like what the company is, or what the job is really, but it's video editing. Um, they looked at your stuff. They think you'd be great. And they want you to come in for an interview. So, um, I got the address from them. I went into the place and it was a uh, motor trend at discovery channel. So like all the car TV shows and I didn't really know anything about like these car shows or what they did, but I knew, of course, like I know discovery channel. So that was pretty crazy Big change of pace from the metal scene. <laughs> and, um, they, they gave me the, the, the temp job doing video ad break editing. So I would get like a finished episode. Um, and then I had like time codes and like kind of rubrics I follow, like depending on how long the episode was. And then I find like a good time in that episode to, um, to add like a, you know, the, the ad break for their, uh, their, like their streaming platform, um, which is cool. That was like, you know, the, uh, like the entry level position to work my way up to being like an assistant editor or like a data wrangler or something like that. And then from there you go on to being like, like a full time like editor. Um, and that was awesome experience. Super cool. I got to work on all these like car shows, like, uh, like American chopper, which is pretty cool. Cause I remember growing like being a little kid watching that, like with my parents. So it was pretty wild. Um, it was a ton of fun. But it also wasn't fun. Um, it kind of turned me off to 
video editing um, and, and what I thought I liked. Uh, I think it was a little bit of seeing how it really operates and also not being in like a fun work environment. Um, it was the type of place where like, if you, if you like got up to go to the bathroom, like everybody looked at you, like you're all facing the same direction. Uh, <laughs> that reminds me of my old company. I worked at this place in Norwalk and it was similar, similar vibe, like the open floor plan bullshit that everyone thinks is revolutionary and it's just dog shit. Uh, and literally if I got up and grabbed my backpack to leave and it was four fifty nine, all eyes on me, like I'm doing something wrong. Like, Hey, I signed the contract that I'm out of here at five every day. I'm not sticking around for this BS. Ah, see it. See you tomorrow. If you make a noise, everybody looks at you. It's super quiet. Right. I ain't really connect with anybody there. Um, people were nice, but like nobody really talked, which I don't know. I kind of need like personalities to vibe with like in a work environment that's just me but it wasn't fun and it was also like a two-hour commute so it was two hours there and then two hours back home monday through friday um so just knowing like it takes that long to get there and then when you're there it's like like screw this this is so boring and like nobody's fun like this kind of sucks here um turned me off to it and then just figuring out like how the video editing works and it wasn't really a creative process. It was more of like you follow the pattern of the editor before you or what the show tone is or what it's about. And that's about it. Um, so definitely different from the video editing I was doing on my own. Um, I, also like on, on a professional scale, like, you know, light years beyond anything I knew at the time or, or how to do, but um, it just didn't seem fun working on something that I had no creative input in or like attachment to like, I, I have no interest in cars. It was just a job. So to edit something about cars, um, with kind of zero passion or interest on that, but I felt was something I did not want to do. Yeah, man, you're preaching to the uh, choir when it comes to editing, man. I'm a professional editor in Amsterdam and, uh, it was not really for me either. You know, it's really different to edit other people's work is what it came down to. You know, like like you were saying, editing the thing you put time into and you have passion into and it's fun, then it's really cool because you can see the the like imagination from your head like come to life and you're like, what the fuck? Like I can't believe like I'm seeing what I wrote or I'm seeing what like I envisioned which is so cool. Or maybe you're seeing it differently than like how you envisioned it, but it's equally as cool. Um, but doing other people's work, I find most of the time, you know, editing it was just a matter of if it was bad, they expect you to fix it. And I did not like that responsibility. I have no interest in putting time into other people's trashy <laughs> projects. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. So how long did you last there then? So I did that for like three months and then like, my role kind of ended because I did everything. Um, and then they were like, we're like, we'll call you back. We have something new or if like a new show comes up, but it's freelance. So like, there's no promise that that even happens. Um, or like when it will happen. Um, so I went back to excellent. Those guys like welcome me back right away. They were super cool dudes. Um, did a bunch of shit there and then couldn't find anything for the longest time. So I kind of lost hope. I did this like freaking soliciting job which was advertised as like a marketing gig, but it definitely was not. They dropped us off in like a parking lot at a target near motor trend. And, um, 
I was like, oh my God, if we go any closer, I'm quitting. Like, screw this. I just needed like a job doing something to get paid. I did that for a day. And I remember like after that day, I called my parents and like my, my, my wife, I was just like bawling my eyes out. Just like, I think that's it. Like, I think I, I think that's it. There's nothing more to this. Like, I'm so unhappy. I hate this job. I'm, I'm not doing this another day. This sucks. And then I got a call from um, Film Solutions. Uh, I applied there like three months prior. Um, went in, interviewed, got a, got a job uh, that day. Um, just doing like entry-level stuff, like lowest level there. And it was paid, which was so cool. It was minimum wage, part-time, but like paid. You know, I was so pumped up and determined to just like crush it there. And uh, I fell in love with the company. And I guess the company kind of fell in love with me too. And it's just a good match. Um, you know, it, it became my home and I'm still there, still at the company, worked my way up. And yeah, just I love it. Forever, forever grateful for uh, Film Solutions and my boss, um, Shay, who's, who's the VP of the company now, um, for, for taking me in and always, you know, bringing me on board with everything she's had. I've been rising with her through the ranks. So it's been um, an incredible experience and journey. I didn't really, yeah, I didn't realize like how many like film jobs that you had after Japan. I, I honestly thought that like you, like when you came back from Japan, I kind of just thought you continued like the Unholy Spirit Productions for a little bit and then you wound up at Film Solutions. Yeah. So I uh, initially, like, I wanted to keep doing Unholy Spirit Productions and like all these little things I was doing. Um, but honestly, I just like, I tried anything I possibly could and did everything I possibly could to have at least one thing pop off and become like a job or make money from. And I came out here, I thought like, okay, I'm in LA, I'm going to work with all these bands. I'm going to like do photo shoots and like music videos and film stuff. And it's all going to be great. Like my production company is going to become something huge. And it just never, never became a thing. Um, I hustled so hard. I'd make videos like all the time doing anything. Um, but it never became something. I think it's just such an oversaturated place. And uh, there's a lot of people who are flaky too. So like you meet people or you talk to people and you're like a hundred percent in on like, I'm going to make this. And they're like 5% dedicated to what they do. And there's a lot of people out here who are like that. So being young and not knowing what it's like out here, like, you know, I get my hopes up all the time whenever I meet somebody or somebody reached out to me or I reached out to somebody and uh, like 99% of the time it never happened. Um, so on Holy Spirit Productions kind of fell to the side and then became more of like a, like a thing in the past. Like, okay, that, that, that's what I needed to start off and get these internships, which like eventually led to a job. Um, but I also thought, you know, maybe I don't need to start my own company and I could work at a company. Um, I forgot who it was, but I heard something a while ago, like when I was in this whole job search um, time period. Um, and it was like, it's easier to start low at a company and work your way up than it is to start a company from the ground. And I, that really resonated with me. And I was like, you know, okay, I'm going to do this on Holy Spirit production stuff and all these other little projects I have. Um, you know, every single day until something pops off as well as apply to a job every single day. And regardless of what they give me, I'll take it and I'll just bust my ass off and, and you know, rise up the ranks there and see what I can do. Um, and, and if like Unholy Spirit Productions pops off too, then cool. And that becomes my thing. But my, my main focus kind of shifted to, to getting a job at a company. 
everything took me like one year to do. It's like what would have been my senior year, like all that happened in that time frame, um, which seems really fast, especially for like film industry stuff or uh, like being out in LA. Cause I know it takes people in eternity or it never happens for, for most people out here, but all that happened in one year, which is super fast. But when you're in it and during that time, it feels like eternity, like going from one job to the other just felt like forever. And then the, like the waiting periods, trying to find something else felt like forever. And it, it, it was hard. It sucked. <laughs> it was horrible. But looking back on it, um, I'm pretty damn lucky. Uh, that doesn't happen for a lot of people. So pretty grateful that it only took a year, but my, uh, my, my savior, my real savior in all of this was indeed.com. Like what a coincidence. That's the show's sponsor today. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that freaking website. Just, I mean, I was on there every single day, like looking for stuff. Like the second a job would pop up, like, it's like, all right, apply. And, um, Every everything I got, like every internship I got, every job I got was from that website. I don't know if it was like my resume was written well and it, you know, just like the words I used, like put my put mine up front or I would just time it right and I would get the interviews, you know, quicker than other people because I'm constantly on this website. Um, or, you know, luck. But well, it was definitely luck for sure. But um, you know, indeed freaking saved me out here. I would say like freelancing though, man, is like, it's a constant battle of just trying to find jobs. I, um, I, I, I haven't freelanced, um, before cause I just got signed into a company over here, but I find that like a lot of my freelance friends, it's what they, they are constantly uh, trying to do. Uh, but if you do it right and if you get the right amount of Rolodex, then you can actually make a shit ton of money just freelancing cause you charge your own prices and you, you can make way more than being, uh, uh, I can't think of the English word actually for it now in, in contract, like salary at a company. Yeah. Salaried. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So like you can do really well off freelance. There's like a ton of people who do it out here, but it was always um, kind of scary for me. Um, just like not knowing what's next or, you know, like just starting out freelance, like there's, you know, a thousand people out here who um, are trying to do the same thing you're doing better freelance. And there's a thousand people out here who are better than you at what you do. And there will always be that thousand people who are better than you, like regardless of, of you know, how high up you, you move unless you're the freaking dude. But um, it, it's so hard. Like it, it was so difficult. And then just the thought of being freelance kind of freaked me out, especially after going like to Motor Trend and being temporary freelance there and seeing how that works. Um, but yeah, there's some people who are like super good at it. Like I, I have this one buddy from Connecticut who's out here. Um, and Brian, I think you know him. I think I introduced oh, yeah, you to him. Me to him. Uh, his name's Matt Barnett. Yeah, from Brian. He, um, he's at Universal. Uh, he does like photo editing, kind of what I do at Film Solutions over there. Um, and he, uh, he's like an insane like videographer and director and editor in he he does like sick freelance gigs all the time and he's the type of dude who if he went like all in on freelance like he could he could make it happen he's the guy who'd make a career out of it and, and just crush it um he uh you know he, he's constantly like saying like all the time like oh, i don't know what i want to do i don't know if i want to be at universal anymore he like like he's the type of guy who likes to bounce around and for that type of person freelance is perfect for them 
also like his personality and just being that type of person, you know, he, he would make it work. And I think that that's, that's what, who freelance people are. They're the people who can jump around from place to place and kind of like a new setting or a new project or job. Um, you know, and, and if you like that, then you make it work. But, um, for, for me, that wasn't, that wasn't really my, uh, my gig. Well, this is what going back to what you were talking about earlier as well is like, if you look at the greats, right? Like the filmmakers that really kind of made it and came out of like just doing their own work and like making what they wanted to make and then eventually popping off. A lot of them still work with the same people that they started out with. Like I, I know that like Scorsese uses a lot of the same people that he started out with. Wes Anderson Because they're his friends. Because when you're starting your career, you work with the people you like working with. And then when one of you makes it, all of you make it really, you're kind of every single film group is really a collective behind every great director is definitely a crew that they just work with all the time. Tarantino always worked with the same editor as well until she passed away. I forget her name, actually. I'm going to look it up now. Yeah. So like, uh, there's yeah, like Michael Bay is like, like a filmmaker that comes to mind. Like I know, um, some people on his team, um, like the unit publicist he always works with I'm, I'm pretty close with her and like she tells me all the time like she's worked on everything with him and it's a little bit of like you know like that's his crew and that's who he's comfortable with but also like these people know how he operates and how he is and like we've all heard stories of michael bay um <laughs> he's uh kind of crazy <laughs> but um like they they know how he works and like they they vibe with that or they could just handle him and his projects so like why would you change something that works? Um, there's like photographers that I work with who, uh, like there's a couple guys, you know, one, one guy or two people come to mind. Uh, this guy, Scott Garfield, who's a legend. He, uh, he works on like a bunch of stuff with Brad Pitt all the time. I just did two movies with him and Brad Pitt. Um, and like he's boys with Brad. So like, you know, Brad likes to keep him around cause he knows that the images are going to be his standard. Um, there's another gentleman, Peter Mountain, um, who's a freaking legend and uh he um he works on like everything johnny depp and he's just really close with him can you answer a question for us then a michael bay question yeah yeah maybe, maybe I, can, I can answer it okay why does he go from cinematic format with the black bars to no black bars in his movies sometimes every other shot i tried to watch the most recent transformers and half the time there's black bars and half the time there's no black bars <laughs> it's very disorienting I think the the black bars to no black bars is a transition of what's shot in IMAX and then what's not. So I think when it's full screen, um, that's them shooting in their regular format for, for their films. And then when the black bars appear, it's um, IMAX. I remember seeing that on Life of Pi. And there was kind of the same thing where it would like jump from like, like shot to shot or like cut to cut from like, Black bars, no black bars, black bars, no black bars. And I didn't realize it until like the second time I watched the movie. But I'm almost positive that's IMAX. And I think that's because it's just so expensive to shoot on IMAX. And like you're not gonna shoot like an entire film on IMAX. Um costs a ton of money. Um and you know, to uh like have that camera with you and that whole setup, like you're gonna get that take or you know, another take or three takes, and then that's about it. Um, so they really save those moments for like, you know, the, the big stuff. And I think if you watch like a Michael Bay film, when it's like a crazy big action moment or something going on, that's when you'll see those black bars because they shot that scene in IMAX. But then, you know, why would you shoot like 
a little dialogue scene in IMAX is kind of overkill. Um, and it's a lot of money. So I think, I think you see that because they're saving money because it costs a ton to shoot on IMAX. And they're also trying to utilize, you know, how awesome that scene can look in IMAX. Um, so it's like a whole cinematic experience. But yeah, if you notice those black bars, it can definitely throw you off. That just, that just sounds like a very Michael Bay thing. I don't know. He's a, he's an enigma. I will not. I got, I got an, I got a note for Bay. If you're listening, Bay, use only the IMAX camera or not at all. That would be my note. My God, it was very confusing. Yeah. I, th- I think something kind of interesting or surprising to people is like, like a big movie, like, like a Michael Bay production has a, a super small budget, probably not Transformers. But like, I know he keeps his team small. Um, he tries to, you know, make the film as cheap as possible uh, without spending as much. Um, so I think that's definitely a reason, um, you know, why they're not shooting the entire thing in IMAX. Um, I don't even know if anybody does that unless you're like NASA shooting like some crazy IMAX, IMAX experience or like James Cameron doing some crazy avatar shit. Um, but like, yeah, super small budget. Um, that's probably the reason why. Does like most of that just go to the explosions he throws in? Because I feel like that's got to be expensive. Yeah, it, it could be <laughs> the explosions. Have you have you have you met Michael Bay? So I'm, I've never met Michael Bay, um, but my coworker has. He did like a bunch of stuff for the posters, like a bunch of editing, um, and he has like a crazy story of like going to his house and like being with him and his assistant, like seeing all of his cars and. No way. How Michael Bay gets super mad super fast. <laughs> um, but like, uh, yeah, I've never, I've never met him. You, do you want to meet Michael Bay? Is he one of your heroes? I'm trying to get a feel for what type of guy. Is Michael Bay your hero? <laughs> who, who am I talking to right now? That's the question. Do you want us to help you meet Michael Bay? I have no connection <laughs> to him, but we can do it. We can. Uh, he's not my hero. <laughs> I don't think I have any heroes in this industry. Um, I don't know. I guess like I've just been around long enough now to kind of meet some people. Um, and eh, nobody's really my hero. They're all kind of just normal people. I, I like, there's one movie of Michael Bay's I like, and I hate saying this to someone who knows Michael Bay's people. Cause I'm sure Michael Bay's people are great. But when I found out it was a Michael Bay film, I liked it less. And that was really unfortunate. Like if I just heard the name, I was like, ah, oh, okay. Oh my God. But it is a pretty decent movie, Pain and Gain, with a, which I know Brian hates. <laughs> I, I, I do hate that movie. I think it's great. No, I've never seen Pain and Gain, but I, I know of it. That's the one with like Mark Wahlberg and The Rock, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Anthony Mackie. Yeah. You should see it. It's pretty good. It's definitely not a normal Mike ba- Michael Bay movie. It's like kind it's kind of like Musclehead Ocean's Eleven. So I'm, I'm actually working on a Michael Bay project right now. I think it wrapped recently. He shoots them pretty fast, but it's called Ambulance. It's like, uh, I can't remember who's in it, but uh, I don't know. I guess it's like a crazy ambulance like scenario or people, medics in an ambulance driving around the city and shit blowing up, crazy stuff going on. It's just a Transformers movie, the ambulance I mean, Transformer. Yeah, didn't they just make Bumblebee? So now it's just an ambulance that turns into a Transformer. It's called <laughs> Ambulance. And then yeah. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence drive the ambulance around to pick up the bad boys. <laughs> did he do bad boys? Oh, he did bad boys too. Didn't he do one and two? I don't, I don't know if he did one. I know that 
Uh, he did too. Let me check. Bad Boys. I also like Bad Boys. Never mind. What am I talking about? I am a Michael Bay fan. What was no. that? I, did, I haven't seen any of the Bad Boys movies, but I remember, Dylan, you sent me a scene from Bad Boys 3 that was like a super wacky like continuity era during a shootout. Do you remember what that was? No, I don't. I don't remember. Something about the way they were shooting the gun like made zero sense or something. No, but. Oh, no, it was like this. I think it was like the sound was going off, but the gun wasn't flashing. No. Oh, no, 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 no. I think I remember what it was, but I definitely want to go back and rewatch to see if I can find this. Um, Okay, so talking one editor to another, you know that as an editor, we try to make the the project we're working on look as close to the final product as we can. So music, um, muzzle flash, like we, like the editor that I work with gets really creative with trying to make it look so good that I've actually argued to him that a lot of times it's a waste of time to go to the sound studio and go to the visual effects people. Cause what he created is already so perfect that you could probably get away with it for 90% of people. Right. Um, and I noticed, I'm pretty sure what Brian's talking about is I just noticed like, muzzle flashes in bad boys for life that were not replaced later with visual effects so it was just like 2d muzzle flashes like these crazy like pdf blasts coming out of the gun but they happen so quick that you like most people wouldn't notice it but because i've edited before and i've edited like gun flashes i was like dude i'm pretty sure i have the same png that I've used before <laughs> in, order to, in order to create the muzzle flash. It was wild. I was very blown away that a high budget movie did not replace all the muzzle flashes in it. Yeah. They could have just forgot. Um, they could have just totally overlooked that part. Um, you know, when the film was done, it's kind of funny sometimes when you see those like mistakes or errors. Yeah. It could have just, could have just been an absolute error. Like the coffee cup in Starbucks. Uh, coffee cup in Starbucks, coffee cup in uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, there should not be coffee cups in Starbucks. It's a fact. <laughs> That's so. Now, now you're working for which company? So now I'm at um, I'm at Film Solutions. And what what specifically do you do at Film Solutions? Uh, I'm an account manager and uh, the social media coordinator there. Um, and we we're a photo lab that handles okay. all the still photography for pretty much all the studios except for like Amazon, Hulu, and. HBO and Warner Bros. That's pretty large. Um, Those are pretty large clients. But, uh, we we work with like every single studio out here, pretty much, uh, even like worldwide and international. There's a ton of stuff that we get. Um, but yeah, we're mainly a photo lab that just handles all the still photography. Um, we have like an EPK department which does like press junkets, trailers, like you know behind the scenes clips. Uh, they like direct, produce, write those. We also have a fine art department that does like galleries, like fine art printing and scanning, um, restoration, all that cool stuff, framing. Um, but we're mainly that photo lab. And what I do, um, account managing, is I I work with studios and I'll set up like you know a project uh, or a film. Um, I'll get them all you know set up on our site. And then I will coordinate with the photographer, make sure they have all the right stuff they need. Um, every once in a while, like we'll get a script, which is cool to read through. And then we figure out like the days that they go on whenever there's like a good shoot or something. Um, we will then get the images from the photographer. We will process them, color correct them, retouch them, all that good stuff that needs to get done. And then they go up on our website and I have like a team of like now 30 people 
um, who go in there and they tag the images kind of like Facebook tagging, but not really with who's in them. Um, if there's like crew equipment, all that stuff. Um, and all this is used. So the executives, um, you know, at the studios can find exactly what they need super fast. Um, they could, you know, all their assets live on one platform. Um, and uh, also, so talent could go in later on and they could conduct photo approvals. So every actor who is like in the top billing or, you know, like the main cast, um, they have rights in their contract to approve and reject a certain amount of images that will be used for marketing. Um, and that's what all these images are used for. It's all for marketing purposes, like posters, billboards, magazines. Anytime you see a picture uh, in a magazine for like a new movie or, you know, something on, in like an article you read, um, it's almost never from a camera that shot the film. It's always a photographer who's on set. Uh, they might have like the, the same setup as, as the camera shooting. They might be right, ne right next to it. They might get like a different angle, but it's always coming from a photographer taking that picture. Um, and that's just so, like, if you pause a movie, right, like it's blurry, but if you take a picture, it's, you know, perfectly crisp and clear and HD. So that that's the whole purpose of that. And that's kind of what we do at our company. What specifically is your, is your role then in the process? Do you go to sets and do the shots or do you, uh, do you do the Photoshop stuff? So as an account manager there, um, I, like I said, I just like, uh, I oversee like, you know, the setting up of a project, uh, like client relations with the studios, just kind of make sure that they're happy with everything. They're okay. We're meeting their needs. Um, I oversee a team of, uh, 30 people who, uh, tag the images. Um, what else do I do? I do a ton of stuff. I do a lot of photo editing, um, not like retouching, um, or anything creative like that. Well, it's, it's kind of creative in a way. Um, but it's more of like culling through the images or culling down the images. Um, let's say there's like 30,000 images in a project. I will, um, if a studio wants me to do it, which I, I feel like I work with almost every studio at this point now when doing this, um, they'll be like, okay, like we need the best, like, like 50 images or a hundred images. So I'll go into the project. Uh, I'll get rid of everything, you know, that they don't need. I'll just find that like a hundred, you know, money shots. Um, and then they use just those for marketing. So that's kind of my creative touch on the whole process. It's pretty cool when you see they use that picture for a poster or if it's on a billboard or in a magazine that you picked. Um, it's pretty cool, especially in like huge films that nobody knows about yet. And uh, like when that image comes out, it's like, oh man, it's like I picked that one and they used it. It's pretty cool. Um, but I do that. Um, I, uh, I coordinate with all the photographers. Um, just making sure they're happy. They have what they need. Um, I conduct talent approvals. So like I'll reach out to the talent or their reps, make sure they go in there, they approve their other uh, images and they're happy with what, what they have. So just a, a whole bunch of stuff at this company. It's a small company. So I kind of wear a, a bunch of hats. That account manager title encompasses a lot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty fun and cool. I never even knew that this was like a thing uh, until I stumbled upon this company. I also do uh, social media coordinating. So like, you know, all the cool stuff we work on, we like to post that on our Instagram and just kind of, you know, shout out the uh, studios, the filmmakers, the, the actors, all that stuff. Um, so that's pretty fun too. But to kind of give you an example of like, you know, like what I do, like with these companies, uh, like a, a studio that I work close with, which is like my baby and like my big client. I'm the only one at our company who works with them, which is fun and cool. 
is uh, A24. Very, I'm very jealous about that. that is say sick. it one more time. Say it one more time. Yeah. Congratulations, man. <laughs> I love all their films. So it's, it's always like a kind of surreal. I, I work with them on everything that closely. Um, but uh, they're like, I'll coordinate with them. I'll get their photographer set up. Uh, make sure that like they're delivering the assets the correct way for some films I do. They're super artsy. Um, and like photography might only be, you know, they only want it in black and white. Um, so like, I'll make sure the photographer is sending us that or, you know, whatever the photographer is sending is how the director wants it. So I'll make sure that when we process those images, it comes out exactly as they intend it to. Um, so like, you know, I might request them to like, you know, send us the raw files uh, with like XMP sidecars attached to it. So we could just apply all their color corrections to every single image. We don't have to like match them to the JPEGs they send us or something. Um, and then I will make sure that like their images get tagged once they go up. Um, on the site. And then after that, I'll reach out for talent approvals with, with, you know, the actors and their reps. And then when that's done, I just tell a 24, Hey, it's all done. It's a rep. And then, um, that's it. That's the whole process there. Kind of takes a long time, but that sums it up pretty quickly. know what what triggered me to talk to you uh and and have you on the podcast i saw your story about you got a24 sending you that poster for the lighthouse and that was one of your one of your thousands of movies that you worked on so when it came to the lighthouse for example so were you talking with like robert pattinson and willem dafoe be like hey do you you like these pictures or like, who do you, who's the talent you talk to? So I wasn't in contact with, with talent or reps on the lighthouse, but, um, like I was still kind of new at that time, but once a 24 became my, my main contact or I was their main contact. Um, like we, we, we always like change the posters out on our, on our walls at the office. And, um, we kind of have to ask for permission sometimes, especially for like right. new films. Um, some of them, like some are movie posters. Some of them are like behind the scenes pictures or like, you know, the actual still photography and uh, like everything on the walls. Like if you went into our office now, all the poster, we, all the posters that we have are for films that like haven't come out yet. Um, or just came out. Um, all the pictures are, you know, stills that nobody's ever seen before. Um, so when we were, you know, redoing everything, I, I, hit up a 24 and I was like, Hey, you know, we want to, we want to put some posters up of, you know, some of the cool projects that we're working on and like, you know, for sure we need the lighthouse. And, uh, I definitely want a copy of it for myself. And they know, like, I love all the, the films that, that we work on there. And I'm a huge a 24 fan. I have uh, a tattoo of the, the movie, the witch on my arm. And they think that's fucking cool. <laughs> so they, uh, they hooked me up. They sent um, a poster of the lighthouse over and, um, you know, the second we were done with that, they were just like, yeah, you keep that. Um, so that was pretty cool. They sent like another poster for Midsummer, and, uh, they were like, this one's probably too, you know, this movie's a little unsettling and probably a little too creepy. So if you guys don't hang it up, like just keep that one too. We know you like it. So I got, you know, like a, a, a giant Midsummer poster as well. I hear at home. Um, 
but yeah, shouts out A24. They're fucking awesome. I love those guys. That's really cool. That's awesome. I've, co- I've constantly for the last three years, like just sometimes go to the A24 website and look for job openings. That is my absolute favorite company, man. I think everything they make is fucking amazing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know about that. Um, there's this kid who, who like reached out to me a while ago. He was a freshman in high school when I was a senior. Um, and he wants to work at A24 so bad. And he's always saying like, oh, I'm always like, you know, throwing my resume on there and like hitting them up. Like, do you know anybody? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think they're hiring anyone. I even checked it out too for a little bit, trying to trying to go over there, but I'm pretty content with what I do for them now. So I don't, I don't think I would go there unless I got like a cool opportunity, but I'm working on all their stuff every day anyway. So it's, it's fun. That one or Bloom, Bloom house, man. Bloom, Bloom house is the, Oh yeah. I love them too. But, oh yeah. They're, they're hiring too. They're hiring right now. Um, <laughs> uh, they're looking for a marketing assistant and they reached out to myself and my boss looking for to see if like somebody at our company wanted to, to, to make the move over. Cause we have a, a bunch of people, a bunch of the people who tag are, are part-time employees. Um, so they, they were like, Oh, like they might be a good fit, but yeah, they're hiring. But I think it's, I think it's a step down from what you currently do. I really think it's an entry level position or like an internship, but they're marketing it, marketing it as like, you know, a, a paid gig. A lot Brian, of companies do that out here. Brian, uh, I I don't think I can go from being the head of marketing to social media intern. No, but if they all, that's a pretty awesome job though to do it at like a Blue House or A twenty four or trying to think of any of those other like kind of like not. If I could do it at the same time, I absolutely that'd be would. fucking sick. That'd be really cool. I don't know if I already it, get you know I did the Wu Tang social media. I can always go to Blue House. <laughs> I don't know if step down would be appropriate for where I am though, man, because the Netherlands is quite a small industry. So I get like cool credits, but I mean, like on a lot of films that are very, very tiny, you know, it's not so large. The largest things that I've worked on now are, um, am I, should, can I say them on the podcast? Maybe I, I don't know. One movie that went to. what What's come out that you can say? Um, or what's in the news? Uh, yeah, I'm worried. Well, you, did you work on another round or was this your no, company? No, my company worked, worked on round. that. So my company actually just worked and got their second Oscar and won, uh, for another round, the Danish film that just won for international feature. That's the one with Naz Nicholson, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's the fucking man. He's cool. He's my favorite actor, man. Yeah, absolutely. But we didn't, uh, I didn't personally do anything for that. That was our visual effects department. Um, yeah, they're just going to get an editor in Denmark. They're never going to get a Dutch editor to do that stuff, let alone a Dutch American editor, which makes no sense to the Danes. They probably thing. threw up in their mouth when they heard that. <laughs> um, yeah, that one. And I guess right now we're also working on that new, um, Steve McQueen documentary that I think is, yeah, you can already look up and, uh, work on. And I'm, I'm working on that as well, which is really cool. So that one's pretty much the largest one, but everything else is like these Dutch movies that like only Dutch people go to see. So what was the one? Stuff. What was the one with the birds or something? I oh think yeah, it was that animated. One no, it's not animated. It was That's a real not movie. animated. No, I didn't edit that though. I worked as a PA on the set for that one called the Vogtler, which means the du- the uh, bird watcher. Bird the watcher. Bird, the bird waiter, actually. The bird waiter. Like <laughs> like a waiter or like waiting for birds. Like waiting, like someone that like waits on the birds. Uh, Just like watches them but it was it was really sick we had to sit on this island it was like about a guy who lives on an island and he's a bird watcher for their company like a the european bird association whatever 
and like it can only be him on the island. So my job most of the day was to tractor farm the sand so there would be no uh, footprints anywhere. I had like a tractor and a net and I would just have to like net the sand all morning. <laughs> so when, that was my first job so here. So <laughs> for, for all the tractor farmers out there, there's still hope in the film industry for you. That was nuts, man. That was the one of the first jobs I had. It was just like, Dylan, could you rake the sand, please? And then I had to learn German and talk to all the German tourists and tell them to take a different route because there couldn't be any Germans oh on the island. Oh, my God. <laughs> that That's was a really hell of funny. a first experience. It was crazy. It was wild. I enjoyed it very much. Very fun. Oh, one thing I did want to talk to you about, Nick. Uh, I watched your, your Danger Boys documentary about the Osaka punk scene. That was sick. Like now, now that you mentioned that all those guys like don't have electricity because they refuse to pay their bills, that's really much adds up after watching that and like getting to know these bands and like that one dude from Flat Sucks. He is the most like '80s punk rock lifestyle like nihilist dude I've I've ever seen, and just like that people like that like that wave is still so prevalent in Japan or at least was at the time of the documentary. It's pretty badass. What documentary? What's the name of this one? Danger Boys, Punks in Osaka. Yeah, D Danger Boys is uh, it's, it's on YouTube now. You can watch it there. I uh, took it off Amazon Prime. Why? Just you just didn't want it on there. It kind of plateaued a bit on Amazon. Um, like people were watching it, but they didn't really do too well. I think it was only available in the U.S., the U.K., Germany. Um, but I wanted it to be worldwide, and I felt like you know with covid happening like it'd be cooler if people had something to watch um that anybody could watch around the world um so i took it off prime put it on youtube and it's doing much better there you know i, I felt like it kind of belonged on youtube yeah danger boys was uh was cool it was uh, super diy i mean like everything was shot on like my cell phone and then my canon t3i uh like even all the audio is just like like there was no like boom like our labs like it's all just like from the audio receptor on the on my phone and then the, the t3i um but it was super cool um super just like gorilla style like oh, going nice. with the flow have no clue what it was going to turn out to be um and like all the footage i had was so shitty uh it was horrible but like i made it look even more shittier and uh <laughs> And uh, premiere and After Effects to kind of give it that like '80s punk vibe. So like when you're watching it, you forget that this was made in 2016. Uh, you kind of get that like throwback vibe to like other documentaries, like you, you, so you, punk, uh, you know, that people might have watched who like this genre. But um, but yeah, no, it, it was it was a, a ton of fun. Um, it's crazy because I uh, I was watching it the other day. I haven't seen it until uh, since I made it since it came out. Um, and like I, I forgot like I filmed it like there were moments where I'm watching it and I completely forgot that I was there and I got that on footage and it's really weird I don't know I don't know if like my brain replaced it with other stuff that's happened because um, like there's been a shit ton of things that have happened since then uh, with film that have kind of just like filled my memory um, but that was kind of weird but also kind of cool uh, you know like rewatching it and being excited and moments happening where it's like, oh, I wonder what happens next. That was pretty cool. I'll never forget this one time. Um, we, were, uh, we were we're at the show 
Uh, it's the one where uh, that band that's wearing like all the paper mache masks uh, performed. And uh, the, the show was over and they had like a merch table and like a CD on there. And like the, the, the cover for the CD was this like paper, like, like origami cover that they made um, with like, like one of their masks on it. And I thought it was super cool. And like, I'll probably never find these guys on the internet or like their music anywhere, which like you can't find anywhere. So I'm pretty happy I got that CD or thought of getting it. Um, but they were like nowhere to be found at their merch table for the longest time. And I'm trying to leave so bad because <laughs> I just wanted to fucking go home. Um, and I was like, like, you think these guys will be back? And then, Kaudu, the, the guy from uh, Flat Sucks, <laughs> he's like, uh, oh, yeah, like, I know them. I'm friends with them. Why don't you just give me the 30 bucks and then I'll give it to them. Like, take a CD here and I'll give them money. Yeah, right. And for sure. He did not <laughs> give them that money. Uh, he definitely <laughs> took that 30 bucks. And that was probably like a million bucks to him. So, so yeah, that money is gone. Yeah. They're a, they're a weird band. There was like the first song that was on there the, on the documentaries. I thought it was like super sick. And there was like this really badass keyboard solo. I was like, wow, this is weird punk rock. And then the last one, I was just like trying to figure out what the hell I was listening to. Like, this is far out. This is something else. I'd love to hear it, man. Yeah, their set was sick. I, I actually didn't even know that they were going to be performing or like who they were. And then like when they showed up and they put their masks on and got their whole setup. I was like, this is fucking cool. I definitely have to put them in. They're from Mars. So like I included that like one with like the keyboard solo, like in the film, Yeah, but it had all this other sick footage of them that I just thought was way too cool to go unseen. Uh, so I put like a whole, like, I think it's like, like a five or 10 minute, like uncut clip of them performing like most of the end of their set at the end, like in the end credits. Um, I just felt like it flowed better at the end. It didn't interrupt or like if there was like, like, you know, 20 minutes of just that band in the middle of the documentary wouldn't flow well. So I threw it at the end, but, but yeah, that song was wild. Like you listen to it, you're just like, what the fuck am I listening to? What am I even looking at? Um, yeah, it's fucking cool. Yeah. It's like if Yoko Ono had talent, you direct, you directed, you directed and, uh, and filmed that one. Yeah, I, I did. I did everything on this one. I, directed edited produced all that stuff oh sick wow yeah i, I want to know how that came about you just felt like doing something like that or like or did you work directly with like one of those guys to come up with the idea and like did they come to you and be like yeah you should we should make a documentary so like when i went to japan i knew i wanted to, to get involved with film the japanese bands the punk rock bands but um i didn't really know how to do it i just went to like a show one time and this band that was performing was called Concrete Waves, CW. And they're, they're in the documentary. They actually have a label called Danger Boy. So they, they were the inspiration for Danger Boys. Um, they're like the, the OG Danger Boys, I guess. Um, but at the show, there was one other dude who was a foreigner. Um, or like a white dude. And I was like, oh man, like, like how did you know about this? Like, where are you from? He's like, Oh, I'm from Minnesota. Uh, like my band's playing next. And like all these bands performing tonight are on my label. And, uh, little did I know, like he's the freaking dude. His name's James Ryan Kelly. He's, uh, he's one of the, uh, the foreign guys in the documentary. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he's just like the fucking dude over there for punk rock. He works with all these bands. He's in like, like the blanket blink 182 of like, 
Japanese punk, which is this band called Skate Nicks. Like they asked him, they're like a 20 year old band that asked him to play guitar for them, do some vocals. So like, he's like a legend over there and he completely took me under his wing. And like, it never occurred to me, it occurred to me to like make a documentary on any of this shit. Um, but he was like, Oh yeah. Like if you want to do photography or like make a music video, like I have so many bands that love that shit and need it. So like I met flat, flat sucks through him, which is on his label. And, um, like a week after I met James, I did like a music video for them. I'm going to do another video. And those are in the documentary. I threw those in there. Um, but yeah, super cool dude who just like, just took a chance on me. Not even a chance, but just so down for whatever. And like everybody that he knew was so down for whatever. And then at that point, I kind of had enough like footage to be like, I think I can make a story out of this or at least like, you know, a glimpse inside the Osaka punk scene. Like instead of making these little YouTube videos and just putting them out there, why don't I make it like a legit film? So that's kind of how Danger Boys came to be. Nice, man. Yeah, it's sick. And always watching that reminded me of... um like years ago, I read Anthony Kiedis's autobiography, Scar Tissue, and he's talking about like, you know, growing up in LA and going to all these punk rock shows with Flea, like before they were the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And it was like every night there was like a new band, like they never heard of them, but they just went because like that was the thing to do. You go to all these clubs and just go to all these like random shows just because that was part of the movement. And it really feels like that, at least at the time that you made the documentary, that's still like such a pulse in Japan. Like I can't speak for like LA right now. Like if, if that's still a thing out in LA or like anywhere else in the U S but it very much so like is in Japan and it's like, it's like sick. Yeah. Everybody was so cool and just welcoming and friendly. Like I was like one of the only foreign dudes there. Um, but like it didn't set me apart from anybody else. I feel like it kind of, kind of worked to my advantage, but, um, everybody was super cool. You know, they just love the music and being together and having a good time. And that's honestly what the whole thing was about. Um, I don't know what the punk scene is like here in LA. Like I know it's legendary and iconic, but I never really tapped into it. Um, from what I kind of experienced with it, it seemed pretty like elitist and closed off because it is LA, you know, like it's the birthplace of a lot of stuff. Uh, you got like a lot of legendary bands that came out of here. Uh, so there is that stigma of like, you know, we're, we're better than everybody else, but I'm kind of just saying that based off my experience. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I haven't really tapped into it. Uh, I kind of just did the, the Osaka scene and it was so cool and inviting. I loved every second of it. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I can't search for that here because I kind of had my fulfillment over there of it. Please tell me you've seen the movie, a band called death or the documentary, a band called death. I actually just watched that yesterday. You know, I've never seen that film, but uh, like I've, I've, I've seen it. I know about it, but I've, not, I've never watched it. You haven't seen it, man. You should really, if you like punk rock, you should really watch this documentary. Brad, what did you think of it? You watched it yesterday? Yeah, I loved it. It it's was fucking crazy. It's such man. an interesting story. It's literally like the whole thing is this band death. They're basically the first, technically the first punk rock band. And it's three black guys who are brothers in Detroit. And they just like formed this band. It was um, it was two years before the Ramones came out. So like unintentionally birthed punk, but like no one knew of them until like old records of theirs resurfaced from like record collectors um, like 30 years later. Something yeah, like no, that. 2010 and th- like 2010 there actually the way they found out was their kids had heard their song, a song of theirs at a party. And they're like, 
were you in a band called death? And like, they're like, Oh, here we go. And like that, like the, no one had known, but my God, dude, when you hear that music, you're like, fuck, this is just the, this is literally just the Ramones. It's, com- it's like they came out in 72. The yeah. Ramones first album was what? 75. So four years yep. or some shit, but it's fucking crazy. And they were, yeah, three black brothers from Detroit and like nobody liked their music because it was just not very popular in Detroit. Uh, and, yeah, when you're place. growing up in like the heart of Motown, like, you know, you're not going to go anywhere, especially with the band name of Death. Like, you know, you're going to get people are going to block you out. You should listen to their out. Al- they only have one album on Spotify, man. But if you like punk, it's fucking awesome. It's a really sick album. What's it called? Uh, Death for the World to See or something uh yeah something like that but i i mean i liked it better than ramon stuff a lot of the ramon stuff sounds the same to me a lot of times um so i really this was just it's really much so its own thing oh yeah for the world dot 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 for the world to see yeah it's really cool man do you still do documentaries and stuff are you more into photography nowadays so i don't do i don't do documentaries i don't really film too much anymore i just do my own photography now um but uh, I, I was thinking about it uh, because I, like, I, I just recently watched Danger Boys again. And then my wife and I are planning on moving back to Japan uh, like permanently like in the next couple of years. Um, and for sure, when I get back there, I'm like, all right, like, let's do a Danger Boys part two. Oh, nice. Um, maybe even a part three. I'd love to make a trilogy out of it. But uh, I don't know if I would stick with punk rock. Uh, I'd like to keep the Danger Boys kind of banner and brand. Uh, I'd love to um, to, to explore the, the hip hop and rap scene over there. All like all I do now is listen to like Japanese rap. So I think it'd be cool to kind of expand Danger Boys just to this like Japanese insight to this music that like a couple people know about. Like there's for sure a ton of fans over there and across the world that listen to this stuff, but it's definitely not known by the masses. And if I could, uh, you know, tap into like hip hop or like EDM or some shit, like just a couple other genres. Like I did the punk rock one. Let's see, let's see what else I could do and throw it under this danger boys banner. The, the uh, distributor for our film dilettantes is living in Japan. So if you do get over there and you make another movie, let us know. Maybe we can uh, give them a call for you. Yeah, dude, for sure. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to, to link up. Yeah. So, so now it's just, it's all photography. Um, uh, I think, uh, I don't know what it was like, but it, it all really popped off over, over quarantine. And I think, I think why I, um, I really went all in on just photography is I'm just way more comfortable in it. Um, I found I like it a lot more. Um, I'm way more talented in it too, with, uh, you know, filming and video editing. It was always a challenge for me to hit it exactly how I imagined it. Or I would get nervous sometimes in the editing process, not knowing if you know I could I could pull it off or if I could get the vision exactly there. But with photography, everything I set out to do, I just I, I've always nailed it, and it always came super easy and natural to me. Um, and it's been something I've been able to like build upon and just get better and better at, constantly learn. Um, especially because now, like Monday through Friday, like my my day job is with photography, you know, like the, some of the best photography out there, um, that I'm constantly just learning stuff all the time, uh, getting better at my own craft, speaking with photographers, getting their advice. Um, there's been some dudes who have mentored me a little bit, just kind of looked at my stuff and then offered advice or gave me feedback, like positive feedback, which has been incredible. Um, 
like especially when somebody like that guy Peter Mountain, who's who's Johnny Depp's dude, when that dude says your photography is fucking sick, it's like shit. Maybe I have something here. Um, this guy knows his shit, so if he's saying that about my shit, maybe I got some shit. Wow. <laughs> um, so I, that kind of all you know made me want to explore photography more and go all in, and also kind of just take you know one role. Like I do one thing, and I'm really good at that thing. I found that kind of works better than wearing many hats when it comes to freelance um, or like a side, you know, weekend job. Um, but yeah, over quarantine, like, like before quarantine hit, like I do some stuff. It was mostly just me, like, you know, at my nine to five at film solutions. Um, but I would do some stuff with like a friend of a friend or like, you know, some buddies I have who do like their own like music stuff projects. Um, but then quarantine hit and I was like, I, I kind of miss doing cool shit. Um, and at that time too, it was like, I'm unsure, you know, if I'm still going to have my, like my job at Film Solutions, if we're going to survive through this. And luckily we did, we had enough like, you know, projects that were in uh, post-production that were already, already shot, just in marketing. Um, and the studios kind of banked on that. So we had like enough, like plenty of shit to work on where we, we survived. But um, not knowing what's going to happen made me realize like I have this photography skill. I should probably go all in on it just in case anything ever happens. You know, like I have something to fall back on if I need to. Um, so I joined a couple of Facebook groups. I threw some photos in, into like some chats and just said like I'm down to collaborate with whoever wants to shoot. And, um, you know, people took the bait and I like I got a ton of people reaching out to me uh, just from like these Facebook groups um, started going like all in like during quarantine, which is wild because I know that was such a tough time for people. But like, for me, it was like, like the best year I've ever had, like creatively, financially, like everything, it just all popped off. And, and, and like, I always wondered how this would happen. Like how clients would come to me without me going to them first or like how, you know, how am I going to get people to work with like, just like constantly, like, you know, on a daily basis, people who want to collaborate and it all happened through quarantine. I, I don't know if it was like people, you know, just sick of being at home or afraid that, you know, if you're a model or if you need, you know, photography for your company or something like, because the world shut down, like you're, what you do is going to stop too. But people were just down to shoot. And I was too. And we were like COVID compliant, but you know, I took on everything I got. I was just fucking hungry for it. Um, and uh, that that never stopped. Like it, like I just came back from a shoot this morning before like I hopped on here with you guys. Um, like I'm, I'm doing shoots like every single weekend all the time. Sometimes like two or three in one day. Um, but it's like every single weekend there's a new shoot on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I'm much more selective now with like who I work with, which is something that's still crazy to me. Uh, like I constantly say no to people or like <laughs> don't reply to people. Like if they don't fit what I'm trying to, you know, like my, my style or what I do. Um, and that's something I always wondered if that would happen or how that would happen and it happened. So I'm still like in awe that, um, you know, this is the, the, the case right now. So, definitely a blessing and crazy especially because it happened all over quarantine that's amazing that's, that's amazing, awesome man. what's your favorite project you shot the the coolest place i shot at the coolest shoot i've done i think so far was um we uh we went to the studio in in uh in like right in the middle of like downtown la area kind of 
which is like a fake private jet. It was Bow Wow's jet? And yeah, yeah. I think that's where like <laughs> Bow Wow did his shit. And like all like the social media influencers like take their fake photos on like a private jet. But um, it was super cool, like super high fashion. Um, it was for Vigor magazine. Um, and it was just like, like these super high fashion look. And everybody's like, everybody just crushed their part. Like the models were insane. The photos were, came out so dope. It's on my Instagram. Like if you check it out, um, you can, you can see it there, but that was like the coolest shoot ever. Like I, uh, I still look at those images now and I'm like, Holy shit. Like I took that. Um, and that just made me realize too, like my own, like the skill level, like, like I could do, I could do some fucking high end shit and it looks dope. Um, but it really all also like matters on like who you work with. It's like me being selective. Like I'm only working with like models who have their shit together or like all in on like, you know, have the same passion as me. And, um, one of my boys, like my really good friends, um, our friend, uh, this guy Braxton home. Um, I met him through quarantine through a Facebook group and I did a shoot with him. And we, we had this like insane photo where he looked like the Mandalorian. Like he was so high fashion. He looked like a fucking star Wars character. It was so sick. Um, and he, around that time, he was like going all in on like modeling, just like, like he, he did it like a lot before. And then he's like, I'm trying to pop off again. And he was just like all in and I was all in and we just fucking crushed it. And, uh, he, he's like a huge model now, like just killing it. The craziest fucking projects and shit. He's like an awesome stylist as well. But like, you know, he came to the table, he brought another model on board and she's fucking awesome too. Her name's, uh, Mona. And um, they were just like their AD, like just beyond anything I imagined that I would ever work with. And it just all came together in that one shoot. And I'm still blown away by those images every time I look at them. But like, it really depends on who you work with. You know, like you could get some sick shit, but if you're, if you're with a team of people who fucking like love what they're doing and are, are so passionate about it and it just shows, um, you know, your, your, your end product just comes out that much cooler. Because it's not just you doing it, you know. You're you're getting the inspiration and, and, and the love and passion from everybody else around you. That's why we're all still in this game, man. This mm-hmm. is like Brian and I as well. It, like when you work with people who are super passionate and you come up with a great idea or you did a fucking great job. And especially what you're saying, like within school, with a bunch of, pe- bunch of people telling you that it's they don't agree with you, like let's do it this way or let's do this, and they're like, nah, that won't work. No, follow the by the book, blah blah blah. Like it's kind of why editing can be a drag because you feel like you're you're subscribing to someone else's bullshit rather than just doing what you want to do the whole time. And when you hit that sweet spot, man, like that documentary you worked on in uh, Japan, which I definitely want to go watch now, um, that like that's a special fucking thing. Like you can look back on that and just always be proud. You're like, whoa, I cannot believe I was, I, like you said, you forget that you were there. You forget that you were, you fucking shot that shit, man. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, danger boys, you know, I did that in 2016. So it's been, you know, like a few years, years now that it's out, but it's crazy. Like I put it on YouTube and it gets like two to three, like two to five, like views every single day. And like, I'm so pumped all the time that like, like I didn't advertise it or anything. I just put it on there, did like a post on my Instagram, like a Facebook post on like my personal page. And then like, I think I like dumped it on Reddit one time, but like people are watching it every single day. And that's so fucking cool that like, there's still an interest in it. Um, I don't know. I'm just like so fortunate that it's, it's alive and people want to watch it. It's cool. 
Japan's a big country, bro, too. I mean, like you're marketing to two places. That's true. Yeah, you get I see on your Instagram you always have like at least two to three like new like photo dumps of like shoots that you did with like a few people like every week. Like that's that's awesome. Yeah, like I'll I'll do shoots like every single weekend all the time. Like I have like a bunch of stuff to edit now. I have two shoots next week, two the following, one like coming up, just like a ton of shoots. So like there's always a ton of stuff going on. What do they range from? Like I sometimes they just like portfolio shots. Like so if like I want to get like shots done for like my website, then you do that, but then you also do like bands and like movies and stuff or what like what's the normal shoots on the weekends um yeah like uh you know um like i'm pretty selective now with, with, with like who i'll work with uh i don't really shoot bands anymore it's more just like a high fashion photography or like clothing brand stuff like that there's like one dude i do like a videography for and photography for who's a rapper but other than that it's like strictly high fashion um I work with this clothing brand with that guy Braxton who, who does modeling for them. He brought me onto them um, called Stolen Girlfriends Club. What's it called? Stolen Girlfriends Club. Stolen with one L. Hell of a name. And they're like, uh, they're like super like high fashion, like goth luxury clothing, um, and uh, they're pretty cool. It's like two hundred bucks for like a like a freaking like plain t shirt or like just a t shirt that has like their their name on it. Um, but like that shit's pretty cool. Like that, that's kind of what I just do mostly now. That's like, um, fine, but that's just like luxury clothing at its finest. Like there's, um, I don't know if you know this guy, Don C. He was like a DJ for like Kanye and like Kid Cudi, you know, back in the, the early, the early era of Kid Cudi. Like he was just part of Kanye's like good music crew. And he made his own, um, luxury like it's luxury like athleisure apparel or something you can get a pair of like basketball shorts that have like for example like the vancouver grizzlies old logo and colors 400 bucks for a pair of basketball shorts that i'm just gonna like lounge around like maybe wear underwear with this is some serious this is some serious goth chic shit bro whoa damn 200 bucks Woof. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. But it's some, yeah. Yeah, like every, every once in a while I'll get like a, you know, like a message from somebody or, or like a company to like do something and it's just like, oh shit, like it's fucking huge. Like it's, like, it's going to be so sick. This is crazy. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. But uh, it it really made me realize too, like it, it doesn't matter who you are. Like anybody could do this. Like all these people I work with are just like normal people. Like it doesn't matter if like, you know, like Braxton's like a huge fucking model or like I'll work with like, you know, uh, like mutilated flesh, the rapper, um, who's like not big or like one of my coworkers, this guy, uh, he, he goes by the digital creator. Um, I think his Instagram now is like Spielberg zero two or zero three or something. Um, his name's Matt. I feel like I've seen that account. He's the fucking plug. Like he works with every single like rapper out there and he's he's with them all the fucking time he's such an inspiration and mentor to me i'm super close with him so i talk with him like every single day about shit um we're like you know he, he's he's got some stuff for like me to do too which is like crazy when he tells me about it who who have you met on his shoots um i can't really talk about any of it but um oh okay he, uh, gotcha. he, you know oh. when moments like that it's like holy shit 
but then I realized, um, you know, we're all just like, you know, the same person. Like there's some, some events and things I've been to where I feel like I don't belong. Um, or like, why am I here? But then once you're there and you really look around, you're like, well, you know, everybody's the same as me. And like, I'm, I'm here because of what I do. And I worked really hard to get here. So like, enjoy that moment or, you know, just like, you don't have to look at yourself any different from the people around you. Uh, especially like, you know, when you, you get to that point where like you're at these things, like everybody's there for a reason. Like, that person's good at what they do. You're good at what you do. So there's that mutual, like, you know, respect and nobody's out to get you or like, you know, steal your job from you. You're, you're not really competing because you're there. Um, and it just makes it kind of that much more enjoyable. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's cool. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty low key and like down to earth. Like I, I, I never imagined it would be that way or people would be like that, but it's, um, it's cool. It makes me feel welcome and want to do it more. Just knowing that, uh, you know, like I do have a place in this and, and I am an equal to, to some of these people that I work with. I mean, that's just called like, you know, growth and success through your career, man. Like the more I felt, I know exactly the feeling you're talking about. Like when you're starting out and you kind of get kind of starstruck, like what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I don't really like belong here, but there's so many people behind the scenes, um, in film and just in entertainment and creativity that like the talent isn't the only face and we all deserve to be here when your career gets better. And then you just start to realize, oh, they're just, they're experts in their own fields. You know, like, just like, um, like I haven't personally met Mats Mickelson, but like people in my office have now. Right. And at some point you just realize he's just a dude living in Denmark. Who's a fantastic actor, but he's just a dude, you know, he's just mm -hmm. qualified for the, for the job. He's not that different than anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I right? totally agree. Like, uh, like the, the, the gentleman I mentioned earlier, uh, the photographers, Peter Mountain, Scott Garfield, uh, there's a couple more, like this guy, Richard Foreman, um, Alex Bailey, like all these guys, uh, this girl, uh, Ursula Coyote. I mean, they're all like legendary photographers who have worked on stuff that I like, you know, grew up watching as a kid or just like fucking iconic movies. And, uh, they're just like the coolest dudes ever. Like, they're so down to earth and fun to talk to and being equals with them. is is cool. Even, even like, you know, the times where I get to speak with talent, um, we do a bunch of stuff with Brad Pitt. He's a really fucking down to earth, cool dude. Um, you know, like I, I, for what I do, like I never know who's going to, you know, call, uh, you know, who is going to call me that day and ask a question or needs help or just wants to chat. So like, you never know, you know, who I'm going to talk with. And, um, every time I talk with people, it's just been really fucking cool. And, um, yeah, no, I agree with you completely. Like, like you do your job, they're doing their job and you know, you're, you're a team essentially. And they look to you for help. And that's something that kind of throws me up with these photographers. I just had an instance with Scott where, um, we had a little scenario on a shoot. And like, he'll ask me for my advice. And I'm always like, like, you know, why are you asking me? Like, <laughs> you're the fucking dude. Like, you've been in this game, you know, you're, he's like my parents age. Like, you've been in this game way longer than me. I'm just this young guy out here. Uh, but like, whenever he asks me advice or, or what to do or, or just wants to chat, it's the fucking coolest thing ever. It's such a legend. Same thing with Peter. You know, like, Peter will talk to me all the time and just be like, hey, how did, how did my photos look? Like, are these okay? 
well, like, what do you think? What would you change? I'm like, dude, you fucking did Pirates of the, of, of the Caribbean. Like, wow. why are you asking me? Like, <laughs> what a feeling. Those are insane. Like, you don't need my <laughs> advice. You're, you're, you're the fucking man. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? <laughs> That's a crazy feeling, man. That just shows, that just goes to show that you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's a testament to, to your success, man. It's a very humbling experience and very, very cool. Um, I don't know. Like I, I like you know how it feels. I know you know how it feels too. So you could you could definitely relate to this. But like uh, there there's really no word to describe it, or uh, or I don't really know how to explain it well enough. But other than it's just it's so cool, and it makes me just you know love what I do and want to keep doing it. It's, it's, uh, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's just uh, it's it's really a dream come true. I think too with 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 a lot of these guys or in, in, in girls as well. You know like. They, they, they love what they do and they're always looking to beggar their craft and they don't care like how old you are, or, you know, what, what, you know, and your experience, they just want anybody's feedback or, you know, to constantly learn and better their own craft. And then be, being young too, I, uh, I kind of have an advantage, um, in some cases, especially with like, you know, digital cameras, uh, like a lot of these guys are like, you know, much older than me like double my age um and like film for what for what we know it it's only been around for like a hundred something years it's relatively new uh the blockbuster was invented with jaws right so if you look at the people who made jaws they're all still here today doing their thing with spielberg um so a lot of these photographers that have been doing this forever are still here doing it um and they started out on film you know shooting on film so they only have a certain amount of roles in their camera I can only take, you know, a certain amount of pictures. Um, and then they don't even know like how the pictures look until they get it developed like the next day or like a day after. So I'm coming into this with, you know, the, the digital camera aspect and a lot of these guys to them, that's still kind of a new concept or, uh, you know, they're not entirely aware that, you know, Hey, you know, if you do this, you like, you know, you could change your setting and do this on the camera or, you know, using, you know, this editing software, you could, you know, export out, you know, your, your bras this way with, with all the color corrections attached to them, but we can still access, you know, like the original raw files if we need them. Um, and that's just like shit that I've just learned from like fucking around on Lightroom or being at Film Solutions and having all these tools. Um, but like, I definitely have, you know, that to bring to the table where these guys don't know some of this stuff and they know that they could call me. I just fucking know all this shit in and out. So whatever they need, I got them when it comes to, you know, delivering files or anything in the digital asset realm. Um, you know, I got these guys and it's a new concept for them still. Um, so then they all, they used to be much more hands-on too. Um, I mean with film, right? Like it's very important that you get what you have to get because you can only, you know, get a few opportunities to really get those shots and they have to look a certain way. They have to, you know, make sure like, the right coloring for the film and all that stuff. Whereas now it's like, if the director changes their mind or the studio is like, okay, we're going a completely different, different direction on this. Some of these guys, you know, they're like, Oh shit, what do I do? Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been following what the, the DP has been doing or, you know, what was told to me. Um, now everything changed. How the fuck do I change this? And, you know, like that's a super easy fix on our end. Like, we have the raw files, so whatever needs to get changed, we can do that ASAP easily. Um, and it's just that reassurance of like, hey, don't even worry. Like, 
you guys don't have to do shit. Fucking got you. Um, I think that concept to them is still new because they're, you know, they're used to what, to what they do and how things work. And when things kind of change, especially in an industry that's ever growing so rapidly, uh, with technology, um, I think it's reassuring for them that, you know, they have this, uh, a younger person who, who kind of knows the in and outs of everything, uh, technology wise that they can rely on. Well, cre- yeah, there's a lot of creative that's people. That's so that, funny. The creatives that don't have, um, as much knowledge with the technical aspect of the software. So if you can learn the softwares, you're always, a, a invaluable asset to, to those but people. it's funny though that that aspect goes far beyond just like film and photography too like and all the companies that i've worked at like just doing marketing and stuff i had to like handhold people who have worked at the company for 10 plus years on what it is the company does like they you know they're like sales people like they're the ones who get the clients and i have to tell them what we do and I've worked there for about a year. Like, how am I more knowledgeable on this shit than you? And it's just interesting how that, how that just stuff like that falls through their cracks as like technology develops people, even though they're still in it. We shouldn't look, that, you shouldn't it. look at that as a downside of them as so much as like an upside of you, right? Like that right. you're able to. It's just interesting how that happens. Gaps, yeah. It's crazy too. Like, uh, like, you know, there's like a handful of, of, of still yeah. photographers that are like the fucking shit and the plugs. Yeah. Um, that are just like, you know, legendary and like they're, they're the dudes who do it. Um, but there's, there's a bunch of other still photographers too who are also fantastic at what they do. Um, but you know, there's a ton who kind of just don't know what they're doing. Um, right. Like you're, you're taking pictures and then especially with a digital camera now, like all you really have to do is click on somebody's face on your viewfinder, which is going to have the automatic focus. And then you just hold down a button and take pictures. So, you know, there's an art to it, which a lot of people hold on to and do, but there's also kind of just like the Mm -hmm. job aspect of it, where there's some people who just literally hold down the button and take pictures. And uh, like when it comes to those people, they kind of just don't really know what they're doing. So uh, I have like a good grasp on, you know, how all this works and then like the the correct workflow and what studios want and how it should be done. So, um, I think that too, where the, you, know, you you get people who don't quite know what they're doing, um, and then you're there to kind of just help them through it. Like regardless of your age, you, you have the knowledge of, of what you're doing. I mean, it's my job, so I should know what I'm doing. But um, you know, they they really rely on you. Like I said, it's cool when you know the bigger guys rely on you too, um, just because it's like fucking crazy that they they care or or they want to talk to you and just get your insight and. Yeah, still blows my mind. But also, like you know, like these guys are super cool. Like they're you know they're all coming from all over the world all the time. Um, you know, whenever they roll into town, like you know, if, if I have a good relationship with them and I'm helping them out and, and they're vibing with me and we just work well together, then it builds a friendship. And um, like I, I love talking to these guys. Like I want to be their friends. So the 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 many of them that I am friends with, I'm so happy. And, you know, a, a lot of them, like, uh, you know, I've only met through like Zoom calls or email. Uh, there's a, only a, like a handful I've actually personally, like, you know, have hung out with and, and are friends with. Um, but like anytime somebody new comes into town, I, I, I'm always like, hey, like, you know, when, when you have a, you know, a minute or a day off or a lunch break or something, let's, let's hang out and do something. And, like every once in a while, they'll take me on set. And that's always fun. Um, when you get to go on set with them, they give you like a tour of everything you meet everybody. But, um, 
yeah, like I, I love it. They, they roll into town. You just, you know, you get an opportunity to pick their brain and just, you know, get on a personal level with them. Super cool. Um, there's that one guy I mentioned before, uh, Richard Foreman. He, um, we went, we had like a film solutions, like mixer one time, um, at like the Soho club here. And it was really cool. We were like on like the top floor, super like bougie, just dope. Um, he rolls through and he's like a, just a fucking awesome dude. He's worked on all these movies and he worked on the abyss with James Cameron, um, which is like that underwater film. And like, to me, like, yeah, I love films. So I know I like a bunch of shit about all these movies. And I just like, I didn't like fanboy out, but I kind of just was like, dude, you got to tell me about this film. Like what was it like shooting underwater for like 12 weeks? And he was like, all like my hair was like bleached for like three months, like white. Like my hair was falling out. We had like moments where like we got like the like the the, the floats or whatever they call it. Like uh, or like they're underwater for too long and like their breathing tank like has like not enough oxygen in it. Like you could like fucking die. Um, and just cool shit that like you never know. And uh, he was just like an open book and couldn't wait to talk about it. And I think I think too with some of these people, right? Is like like you're the photographer on set, right? So like nobody's really asking you your story or everybody wants to hear about the director or the actors, like, you know, the, the, the big names that, that we all know, but these photographers are huge too. I mean, they're not like, you know, a director level, but they're, they're fucking huge and important to every film they work on. Um, so when you kind of give them that, that, that limelight, uh, you know, that, that fan service, that, they don't quite get but their images get and the actors that are in the images get i think it goes a long way i think especially if um you know you work with these people on a daily basis and you just know what they've done and you appreciate what they've done that when, when you talk to them about it they're willing to just open up and tell you everything because uh you know they're they're the unsung heroes they're, they're the, the people who who you know make these films you know like get like without their photography, people don't see this shit. Like, you know, there's no marketing, there's no poster. And before a trailer comes out, you get a poster. So that's the first thing people see. It's all from these, these people. So I think when you, when you give them that, that gratitude and that, that respect that they deserve, um, or that they earned, um, it, it's just cool. And, and, and they like it. And I find that part super fun, just meeting them and talking to them and, you know, like listening to their stories, because I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if they've ever told these stories or everybody has a story, crazy experiences. So I'm all about talking and building that connection and relationship. So that part's really fun. And I I think me being young too, and just hungry and wanting to learn everything I could, these guys are just, they just love it because here's a young kid who's interested in some project they worked on before I was even born um, or that nobody even cares about. Like we work on some film or some of these guys have worked on like really like weird obscure films from like the 80s and 70s and i'm like i fucking love that movie and they're like nobody even knows about that movie like i forgot i even shot that how do you know about that naturally i just like it so like when i bring it up to them they're just like oh this is fucking cool like this guy knows what i've done and he did research on me it just goes a long way, I think. So well, yeah, because they don't they don't get that platform to talk about their experience as opposed to like the fate like you said, like the faces of it. So that's just an easy way to form a connection, you know. I that's a lot of people as well, man. Just in like all fields. When you when you talk to people who have had experiences and you really listen, like if you ask the right questions, 
not just how are you or, you know, how's the job or do you like your work, but you ask the right questions, like something in depth that takes a while to answer. You can get people sometimes just open up this massive world that you're, that you're not aware of until they start telling you. Cause all you see is their eyes, but there's like a world of memories behind those eyes that can like bring in the most intricate details and you live through it. It's a really amazing thing. And that, yeah, finding guys like that don't get enough praise, like the photographers on films, man, and getting to ask them about that. I can only imagine like the joy of being able to talk about it. And like someone, this is someone that's genuinely interested. I mean, we're genuinely interested just talking to you, man. Like your story is wild. Like I, I'm afraid to ask how old you are. Cause I'm sure we're all the same age. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, can ask. How old are you? I'm 25. Yeah. We're the same yeah, age. I have not done nearly <laughs> as much as you have done in your 25 years. So, but your story is wild, dude. And yeah, it, I mean, I, I knew, I knew after, you know, your first not as planned video that you were going to go off. I mean, you had such a immediate talent and a great eye for, for film camera and just, just editing, like all the cool effects you, you did for adventures of pasty wipe and all that were always just like, I don't know how you, how you managed to do that. So DIY, like getting Austin's head chopped off in that one episode, watching the behind the scenes of that. You know what, dude, I like, I just had nothing to lose. Like, uh, like, like taking all these like opportunities and experiences, like I, I could only gain from them. Even if nothing worked out, like I'd still learn from something from it. Like, I just had nothing to lose. Like just a you know all these opportunities, and I just took them all. I mean, plus like your your main interests were also just the perfect avenue to dive into, like punk rock. Like being happening to be in Japan and discovering a punk rock scene, a genre you already like, and a country that you've fallen in love with. It just it writes itself. Like that was the perfect opportunity because you know that um, if if you make the right connection, they'll let you they'll let you do a documentary, they'll let you go to the the tours, they'll let you make music videos because like you know it's it's nothing high profile where you need to have certain requirements. You just got to be there and do what you want to do and what they want you to do, and it's just like a perfect match. What when are you moving back to Japan, man? You know how many more years you got? So like another another like year two years like I'll, I'll probably be out here. That's like the, the the plan right now. Well, I'm moving back to the U.S. in uh, three three months. Before you go, man, we should collab on something or just catch up. Me and Brian will be out in L.A. in January. Well, yeah, yeah. No, we, we we talked about that. We're gonna meet up and while yeah. doing the L.A. shoot. Oh yeah, for sure. Like like I think Brian and I talked about it. Like uh, second you guys come out here, we'll totally link up, hang out. You guys got to come through to the office. I'll give you like a whole tour of everything. Be a ton of fun. Oh, that'd be amazing, man. Sick. And I'd love like it. So even if like it doesn't even matter if you live in Japan, I'd love at some point the opportunity to work together, just somehow to like combine the creative forces here and do something really kind of sick. Cause talking to you reminds me of like the earlier conversations Brian and I had starting our like our production company together of just like so much passion and love for this that I would do anything I had to do in order to get this done, you know, like, and to be able to just make fun stuff and make what I want to make and love what I do. So now, nah, man, you got a crazy story. I'd love to make some stuff together. I actually have a question for you guys. Yo. Karen twins. Where, where does Karen come from? What's the, the significance behind that name? Uh, both. So both of our moms are named Karen. And then we're also three weeks apart in age. Yeah. 
Um, and our, our mothers grew up together. They were really, they were best friends since they were like 11. I think your mom was a, a little one year older than my mom. Yeah. So Brian and I have known each other since we were born. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then it just seemed to make the most sense. You know, sound, it's a cool name. People like people, people like, to call like us Karen through email. <laughs> yeah. and they don't read. The they don't thing. read when I say from Brian in the end. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's honestly the first yep. movie that we made, man. We got so many Hey Karens. That's in Karen. Our, the name our has, distributor still calls us Karen. Yeah, and uh, the name. The is only not time he well. called me by Brian was when he gave me bad news or something, or when really? I asked him a question about something, and he said, "Like, unfortunately, I don't know anyone who can help with this." And that's the only time he referred to me as Brian. Every that's other time funny. it's been, hi, Karen. Thanks. That's so funny. <laughs> and the name has not aged well, let's be honest. But because it's no, for our mothers, me. I think we can get an exception. The name will make a comeback. Oh, yeah. I, sure. I love that. That's cool. That's I think it's great. You should check out our website. Yeah, I'll definitely check out the website. Yeah. ParentTwins.com. ParentTwins.com. That one's not private for all the listeners. You guys can also go check it out and see all of our weird work on there and shit. Um, yo, guys, should we wrap it up? Yeah. Been an hour? Yeah. Hell yeah. Cool, well, man. again, man, thanks so much for coming on, Nick. It's a pleasure reuniting with you and catching up and just listening to your hell of a career. I yeah, dude, seriously. Looking forward to seeing what else you got going for you down the road. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This is a ton of fun. Brian, it's been fucking years, man. So, like, I loved every second of this. Um, yeah, you guys come around and, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll link up. We'll do some cool shit. I'll show you around. Thanks, man. Yeah, well, we love we love the stuff you're shooting, like the lighthouse and stuff. That shit's yeah. amazing. <laughs> we want to get to that level. I love what you guys are doing too. So, like, you know, your stuff is fucking awesome. So, certainly uh, a pleasure. Sweet. Loved every second of this. Thank you, guys. Fucking awesome. Fuck yeah. All right, all right. I'm signing off. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.